Come on. Welcome to Money Savage, a savage approach to personal finance. This is George Grumbacher, and the time is right. Welcome to today's guest, the strong and powerful Louis Efron. Louis, are you ready to do this? George, I am ready to do this. Awesome. Let's do this. Lewis is a globally recognized thought leader, speaker, writer, Fortune 200 executive. His most recent book, Beyond the Ink, Lessons from the Transformation of an Industry, is available now. He's also a returning guest on the Money Savage podcast. Welcome back, Lewis. George, it's great to be back. Thank you for having me. So in going through this book and just reading a summary of the book. I'm going to call it very ambitious. So I'm 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 excited. Tell us about um, the challenges, or really the main challenge the book is working to solve. Yeah, you know, it's it really is a bit of a case study for my last book that we spoke about in my last time podcast with you, My Purpose Meets Execution. It was sort of interesting because it, when I finished that book, I, I get a lot of press agents contacted me to write about certain people. And uh, Mario Barth, who is the guy I, I wrote about, a tattoo artist, she contacted me and said, would you be interested in speaking to him? And I said, absolutely. I met with him. I wrote this article about his business. And I thought, this is a remarkable guy. This is a guy that is an artist at heart. I and mean, that's where he grew up as a, a tattoo artist and had a purpose to essentially change his industry, which is a $50 billion industry. And to make it a better place for artists, make it a more prof a profession, a place where people had benefits and 401k and professional jobs and took the tattoo industry out of the back alleys and the black windows to the front sort of public. And it was just a remarkable story. And he just applied corporate practices to this, again, back alley business. And his purpose transformed, his purpose combined with the execution that he put in place for his business transformed the industry um, transformed his life, um, built a multi-million dollar business for him, and he produces most of the ink for the tattoo industry. So it was just a fantastic story that combined. It's sort of a case study around purpose meets execution. That's why it just really drew me to it. What a cool opportunity to, to really dig into a $50 billion business. I, I really doubt that people realize just the, just the gravity or the scope of the tattoo industry, but, 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 but it's huge. Um, and then just taking, or not just, but taking these sort of principles that you were talking about and 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 applying it. So I think that's very cool. Um, one of the key things that really struck me was talking about combining personal and organizational purpose. And when you hear that, you think, well, yeah, I, I think that that certainly makes sense. Um, but why would an organization want to do that? Well, the true magic and engagement and accelerator for people is when they are they feel they're connected, their personal purpose to a larger organizational purpose. Because when you hire people that just come to work for a job, for example, and there's let's say there's the organization is void of any communicated purpose, right? And you hire people, if they come and they they do their job, and you'll get people that'll do good work, of course. Um, but they, it's a job. It's a nine to five job, whatever it is. And they come in, they do their job and they leave. But people that feel that they're doing something much more than a job at a very higher level, right? They feel like they're they're making a difference in life. They're fulfilling their purpose. They're adding value to the world and humanity, whatever the company does, right? They feel there's a connection to that. They work harder. They produce better work. Um, they're happier. They're more engaged. They stay longer. 
it impacts the top and bottom line of your business. Everything sort of works better. Um, and if you've ever seen just organizations that are just void of any type of purpose, people like, like they do their job and they can plot along and maybe do fairly well, but nothing compared to the organizations like, you know, the Ikea's, the IDEOs, Whole Foods of the world that have had huge, huge success of focusing on sort of purpose and then that connection to people and, and people's purpose that work for the organization. So that's why organizations do it. It's a huge movement. I mean, if you watch just the av people advertising for jobs now and the GEs of the world and things like that, I mean, everybody is advertising around purpose, right? Around come here to make a difference in life and your community and the world for customers. Um, that's sort of what people care about now. And they've always cared about it. It's just the organizations have recognized this, the new generation coming up into the workforce believes it more than ever and wants to talk about it more than ever. And so it's a powerful talent attractor for organizations, right, when they get it and they can really define their purpose. But within the organization itself, it's a business accelerator. So it's important in every which every facet of business. I think it's a, an absolute net benefit to the organization and to the individual. So much of, of my work deals with trying to help people lead happier, healthier lives. And money is is a big part of that. And I totally agree if you can get a person to personally understand or understand what their core values are and then help them understand what the organization's core value are, core values are, and then make sure that those are aligned. Because if, if they're not, then it's a non-starter. You should go find a different company to work for. Um, do you find that, so I, I guess the question is, does an organization help people to have that internal conversation or and and or do they just do a better job up front on the the hiring or the um, the, the screening process to find people that are of the same values? Yeah, it's actually both. So I mean, you definitely want to make sure you have a recruiting process that vets and, 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 and looks at and evaluates your candidates based on their personal purpose and asking questions, you know, like if you didn't have to worry about money, what would you spend your life doing? Or um, what gets you out of bed in the morning? What do you want your legacy to be? Questions that are outside the norm of recruiting. So you get someone that really cares about um, your business and what you do, right? If you're in a medical space, you want to make sure that you interview people that really care about caring for others, right? Giving life, whatever it may be. If you're in the pet pet industry, you want to make sure people that love animals, right, work for work for your organization. So that it starts there. But the people that work in your organization now um, are, are also need to be addressed. And that comes from dialogue with your manager and your leaders within the organization where they clearly define the purpose of the organization and help and have that dialogue with their employees about what their purpose is and help them make the, connect the dots. So there's an onus on really both sides, I mean, the, the employee and the employer to come to the table and start having these conversations because it just makes, like you said, I mean, it it's, makes life better for both your employee and your organization to do it. So it's both. It's a recruiting process as well as how you communicate with an organization, how you develop your people. And that seems like it maybe sounds easy and does hard because having conversations like that those aren't casual conversations. So how do how how do you coach an organization to go about setting up in an environment where people are comfortable enough to and capable of having those kinds of conversations? I, I hate to call it a safe space, but it is creating a safe space to have kind of a touchy feely conversation, right? 
Yeah, you know, it's about creating a culture of care at the end of the day. I mean, great leaders, from my perspective, they're great, greatest leaders I work for, they're servant leaders, right? They really believe in serving those around them and those who work for them. And as part of that, they create a really caring environment where they care not only about the work that people do, but about their life in general, right? You care about the success of their people. And if you start opening up yourself as a leader. So if, if organizational leaders and managers start sharing more about themselves and having and just sharing these type of things with their their people, they will feel and become a little vulnerable, right? Opening the doors, then your employees will start feeling like they could be vulnerable and open up and talk to you more. But the leadership around this is is absolutely critical because you can't expect your employees to have these these uncomfortable potentially conversations at times if they don't feel they're in that safe space as you mentioned george so the culture has to be created as a culture of care and it has to be leadership by example right leaders share and and talk about it and share examples of how um, they are caring for their people so people become more comfortable to have these conversations and they're not so unusual and they're not uncomfortable when they happen all the time because that's just the way that the culture works with so many different ways of communicating and expressing and, and, and sharing, do you find that, that, that there's a certain frequency which this is best done with? Is there a certain medium? You've got public entrepreneurs like Gary Vaynerchuk who are talking about important stuff like this, but not everybody's going to be Gary V and not everybody should be. Is, is there a way that you coach the leadership in an organization for how to actually go about being more open and sharing. Yeah. You know, you've got to be as a leader. I think, you know, authentic leadership is so key and you have to be yourself. Like you said, I mean, you can't be, don't want to be anybody else and you want to bring yourself to the table and, and the way you normally operate. I usually, for me as a leader, I usually have one-on-ones with all my, all my direct reports all throughout my career. I've always done that. And I meet on a weekly basis or if people want to meet on a longer, you know, maybe every two weeks, whatever the case may be. But during those conversations, I always start out with conversations around their personal life, what's going on, how they're doing. And I always start out and I always try to end my conversations with that too. And getting in that, so that rhythm of asking people how they're doing and um, are there any, any, any ways that you can help them get better or challenges they may be having, getting in a rhythm of those conversations in a very natural course of, of your business is the best way to go about it. Um, to schedule like formal purpose conversations doesn't work. You know, they're, they're just, they're, they're awkward and they're not natural. So what I, way I coach leaders around this is just to be yourself, be natural, um, and lead with care, right? If you just lead with care and lead with that concept of servant leadership and take that into every meeting that you go into, um, it'll translate to your employees and they will ultimately start building that trust will start building and they'll start sharing more. But like I said, it's really about weaving it in, in a very natural course of business. Best way to do it. Yeah. I think that that makes sense. For some reason I had it in my head that, uh, the CEO of a really huge company was all of a sudden going to go from never talking about this kind of stuff to all of a sudden doing this big town hall and talking about feelings <laughs> and things like that. And not sure how that would have gone over. So no, it's maybe got to be part of the DNA. It's got to be very evolutionary, you know, over time. <laughs> Got it. Okay. I think that that, I think that that definitely makes sense. And I mean, so many opportunities to communicate, but just making it part of every, not well, as many different interactions as you possibly can. Like you talked about leading with care, having this culture of care. I think that that, 
I think that makes a lot of sense. So is there, can you find a return on investment of leading with care? Yeah, I mean, I think you you look at the organizations. There is there is probably about forty years of research right now out there that um, correlates the level of engagement of people in a business and business results. And it's hard data, right? That's that's been and also organizations around purpose and things like that. When you talk about um, firms of endearment, the, the study that was done a lot of work in around that book uh, for the companies like I mentioned before, IDEO, IKEA, Whole Foods, um, Commerce Bank, people like that. There's tons of research with baked within that purpose model and baked within that engagement model is a heavy, heavy focus on care. It, it all really all comes back to care when you talk about these concepts, engagement and purpose within an organizational environment, because that's why you do it right. You, you care about someone larger than their job, and that means the larger purpose in their life and how it's connected. Um, engagement drives results because people are happy when they come into work. They work harder, better quality work, all that type of things. So there's massive, massive research. I mean, the Gallup organization has done a ton of research around this as well um, to show the correlation between how much you care for your people and the business results. And in my own career, I've spent, you know, I was very blessed to spend 11 years at Stryker that we we um, heavily relied on um, analysis around this stuff and the 20% growth um, year on year for 30 years. And um, I'm with working with an organization now, DeVito, who where I'm the vice president of teammate experience there. And as an organization, again, had incredible success as a result of caring for their people. And the focus in, in the organization I'm in now, which is we call it the village and, and we call it a community first and a business second. And it feeds into that caring model. Huge success, a Fortune 200 company with, you know, um, close to you know, about 70,000 teammates around the globe again, built on this concept of care. So tons of ROI, if you look at case studies, it's there, it's everywhere. The more you care for your people, the more business results you're gonna get, the better retention, the better quality work, the better customer service you'll get, um, and the better town attraction ultimately you'll get because of the word on the street about your culture. I love it. So what were some of the, what were some of the stories that, that, that Mario talked about in helping people in the in the tattoo industry lead purpose-driven lives yeah yeah it, it was it was a great great question because um, there was so many fantastic stories throughout the book around this uh, but the one the common theme is that people felt uncomfortable sharing their profession as a tattoo artist and it's one of the big drivers behind what mario wanted to do here um, people would not want to share they would hang their head in shame he talks about about being in the industry because it was a very socially unaccepted type of um, practice. And he, he took it from that to make it into this beautiful art, which it, it clearly is. And it's something that existed as a Neolithic times, right? People have been tattooing for, you know, tr from tribal days. And so he, he brought that forward and made it an art form and helped people see that the work they were doing was creating beauty. And not everybody likes tattoos and that's fine, but um, the people that do want them, the most of them are very personal and things that relate to them in, in heavy ways, whether it be cancer survivors or family members they lost or anything in their in their lives that are really important to them. He helped highlight that. He helped highlight the beauty of the art. And then what he did is he made it a profession. It was the first time ever, like I mentioned earlier in this in this podcast, he provided health benefits. He provided 401k. Um, he took the work environment from the back alley and black windows to, if you go to Vegas and you go to Mandalay Bay or, 
or um, or Mirage. There are these multi-million dollar studios that he built there. These basically calls them the Fishbowl Studios, and they're all open, all glass. The tattooing's done in the forefront where potential customers can see the work being done. And he's just changed the whole profession, and people are now proud to work within this industry. So those are the stories that came up time and time again that people have a, a good job, they're able to support their families doing this, um, they're able to get, live good lives and have entire careers in the industry and be proud of it. And that's really what, what he did and how he's helped bring purpose into that space, again, that $50 billion industry. What a difference, right, For from going to being – I don't want to say ashamed, but not feeling great about sharing the work that you do. And some people probably felt ashamed of it to absolutely feeling great about it. So the, the level of confidence and everything else um, certainly increased. Um, I, I would also have to imagine that, and this was also something that I read, how this culture of care probably leads to more innovation and more efficiencies, yeah, absolutely. I mean, if people feel that they're cared for and and they really come to work again for a larger purpose and meaning, they want to help the organization and whatever you're doing, whatever cause you're involved, they want to help make it better and, and, and serve more people by doing it. And innovation is a huge part of that, right? And you want to get better. So people that don't care come to work and they just do their job and they do what they're told to do. People that really care and are highly engaged and feel they're cared about and, and living purpose within their work, they start thinking of better ways of doing things and they share innovations. And if everybody in your organization, if you have a large organization, um, everybody's thinking that way is how can I make my job better and or do things better to help my organization so that we can fulfill our purpose and help more customers, community in the world, then innovation, just like you said, happens at a rapid pace and everywhere throughout the organization. So that's another power of that purpose driver that doesn't exist in organizations that don't really have it. Yeah, really. Once you think about it and you start to weigh all the benefits, it's ridiculous or stupid not to work to have a culture like that. So... All right, sir. Well, Lewis Savage Nation is ready for your difference-making tip. What do you have for them? My difference-making tip would be around authentic values. So there, we've all worked for organizations that have values on the wall, whether it be empowerment or whatever, and then people are micromanaged and they don't align with what actually happens in the business and leaders give lip service to it. So the most important things organizations can do is actually develop authentic values and live those values in the organization and then collect and share stories around those values to show how they're lived in the organization because nothing drives an organization stronger than really strong lived values and that people believe in it. And again, as I mentioned, the organization I'm in has, I've probably never worked in an organization that has more defined values that you see in action every single day by every leader. Uh, it's incredibly powerful and it drives just a movement of, of this care and purpose. So my tip is if you have values on the wall, make sure you're truly living them in your organization, collect stories that reinforce that and share those stories. And that's how you drive really great cultures. That is great stuff, Lewis. That definitely gets a come on. Come on. Ah, and Lewis, thank th th <laughs> thanks, thanks for coming back on the show. Where can Savage Nation learn more about you? Where can they get a copy of the book? 
Definitely, George. Thanks again for having me. And you can find a lot about me on my website at lewisefron.com. You can connect with me on Twitter at, at Lewis Efron. Love being connected to on LinkedIn. Um, I write for heavily contributor on Forbes and Huffington, mostly Forbes and Huffington Post as well. But if you go on Forbes, tons of articles there. You can get my book on Amazon, Barnes and Noble, all online retailers, pretty much all over the world. So available everywhere. I love it. Well, Savage Nation, if you enjoyed this as much as I did, show Lewis your appreciation. Share today's show with a friend who also appreciates good ideas. Go to lewisefron.com. Follow him on Twitter. Catch up with him on LinkedIn. Find him on Forbes, the Huffington Post. Everywhere that there is the internet, you will find Lewis. So thank you again, Lewis. Thanks again, George. And until next time, keep fighting the good fight because we are all in this together. What's up, Savage Nation? Please support the show by subscribing, leave us a review, and definitely feel free to share us with somebody you think would like it. Come on!